Okay, so we're recording now, and so um, tomorrow, or tonight, this evening at sundown, is uh, Elul 1, and that means we are quickly approaching Rosh Hashanah. We have our one month to get right with God and our fellow man. Wow. So, I know, it's the time that John the Baptizer was, was baptizing and declaring, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand because that is what is declared in this month. And it's it's a great time to stop and take stock. And and to say, where am I with God? Where am I with my fellow man? Is there anyone that I need to make amends to? Is there anyone who, um, you know, who I am, who I've wronged? Or who anyone who has wronged me that I just need to forgive and let it go. And we don't need to call and tell everybody that we forgive, that we forgive them. But, you know, some people we might need to, especially if we forgive them, but we wronged them in the process of whatever happened. You know, we might need to call and say, you know, hey, I was angry. I did this in, in response. What I did was wrong. I've forgiven you. I, I'm letting this go. I hope we can put it behind us. You know, or... Or just declaring it in your own heart and letting it be peace and letting it go. And if that person ever contacts you again, because maybe they're just not a safe person. Maybe you don't want to contact them and invite them back into your life. But it's, it's just a time, to, um, it's a time to take stock of what's going on in your soul. We were talking on the drive here about how, you know, and here everybody focuses on New Year's Eve and having your New Year's resolutions. And, you know, they start them on New Year's Day and then... They, they last till maybe the seventh, you know, <laughs> and yet God gives us, it, it takes 21 days to start a habit and God gives us 28 days to, to not wait until Rosh Hashanah to start working on them, but to go, Oh, I've let another year go by. I'm going to start working on these today. I'm going to start working on this right now. And by the time Rosh Hashanah comes, I will have a new habit. And I will be doing what I'm supposed to do with this. And, and it might, you know, it might have to do with an area of your life where you're feeling convicted that may or may not be specifically spelled out in scripture. Or maybe it's, you know, maybe it's not something that's about sin or not sin. Maybe it's about spending time with your family or, or how you're nurturing a particular relationship. Or it might be about, I really need to get into God's word more consistently. I really, you know, I, I hear stories and, and I don't know how to, I don't know how to evaluate them because I'm listening to what the storyteller tells me and I don't actually go look to see if it's there. You know, and I, Lisa and I were talking a couple weeks ago when, when some stuff happened and, and she said, you know, you, you used to say it all the time. You haven't said it in a while and we all know it, but maybe you should say it more often, you know, it, that don't take my word for anything. Go study it. <laughs> study. Come with other ideas. Come in and, you know, exchange ideas. And we may look at stuff and go, oh, I just don't see that. Or we may look at other stuff and go, I don't know, that's interesting. Or, and other stuff we might go, no, because because of this. But that's how we hold each other accountable, and that's how we grow. And 
And, you know, nobody's going to get to stand before the Lord and say that the reason they did something is because, you know, Rabbi <laughs> Crystal said to do it. It's <laughs> but she told me to. The rabbi you sent told me to. It's all rabbi's fault. You sent her to me. <laughs> and that'll go about as good as it did for Adam, right? <laughs> going oh that does make more sense <laughs> yeah. uh, yes see I almost had that but I missed that piece yes you are good you know so so it's all about us growing and in our understanding and and I want to commit in this new year for us as a congregation you know we've started I'm actually excited that we started adding the Torah and the half Torah study um, because I, I think that's good, and I figured out how to do the videos for the praise and worship, which means our worship's expanded. So I feel like we've created some habits for our congregation that I'm excited about as we go into the new year. And and one of the things that you know the the rabbi sayings is as your Rosh Hashanah goes, so goes the year. Yeah. And which can kind of seem scary, especially if you end up having a bad Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> But I, I've been listening to some teaching. I've got to listen to the third podcast, and then and then I'm going to share them. So far, I really, really like what the guy is saying, and he's actually talking about um, he, he's talking about the modern Christian understanding of salvation, and you know, combined with this, you know, if you don't choose wisely, God's going to punish you by making you burn forever in eternal fire and damnation. Which, you know, which he says, and, you know, he says, don't confuse God and the devil. He said, you know, if it's the devil who wants you to be eternally separated from God, let's not talk about God like he's working with him. And and his plan is to send a bunch of people there to make the devil happy. You know, <laughs> he says he says you know he's he's talking about some things. It's things we've talked about, and and he goes a little farther into the you know this first, this first, this first, which which I appreciated. Um, and one of the things he talks about is that the purpose of fire is regenerative. And so you know we've talked about about you know, the, the ancient Jewish belief that um, once that that between death and judgment that that the soul unhindered from the body goes through trials and tribulations to try and help it come to understand its need for God that it could not understand while in the flesh, whether because of the sensual things around it or because of the society into which it was born or, or whatever, you know, whatever was hindering that soul that once freed, that, that that's the concept um, in, in that idea of, of the purpose of death is the body sleeps and the soul keeps learning and the soul is regenerating. The soul is, is coming to understand so that prior to, prior to the second death, which is the actual end, when everyone stands before the throne, um, that, that individual has an opportunity to come to understand God. And he talks, you know, he talks about that and, and shows it in a lot of references in, in New Testament teachings from Yeshua and from Paul and different things. Um, so it's a really interesting, you know, and as I've always said, everything we can talk about, about what's going to come after death is 
our best understanding. God's going to ultimately do what he's going to do. What we think about it or not doesn't actually determine what it is. It's what I find though, is that what we're open to with God's grace does determine how we are as a people and how we treat others, especially those who might not agree with us on things. You know, there, there are some beliefs that, that I've encountered where the person who holds them almost seems to feel justified in dismissing people because, well, they're going to burn forever anyway. And, you know, I, I was talking with an atheist one time and they said, it's not that I mind that Christians have a belief about hell. It's when I encounter the ones who seem almost giddy that I'm going there. And, and, and I said, yeah, that disturbs me too. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, if, if that is the ending that, that you believe in, it should send you to your knees for people. And it should have you grieving the fact that some people might be there. But then those who understand that, I step back and I go, this doctrine that we have about God that causes people fear and anxiety and they lose sleep because they're terrified some family member who hasn't made a confession of faith that God's going to send them to hell forever. And I think, where, where is the picture of love in that? Where is, where is the grace in that situation for the believer or the unbeliever? And so, you know, these are things that, that I've been just wrestling with. And, and again, I make no final claims about what happens after we die because for us, it's all about trying to understand it and trying to, and, and the key to me is, you know, the whole speck and log let's each of us get right with God and let's focus on that and let's share his love and let's share our testimony. Let's trust that he's going to take care of the other people just like he took care of us. You know, it's not like I was an easy person, you know, like I just stumbled into the kingdom and, you know, was like, oh, I guess I'll be here now. You know, there, God is active and at work and capable of, of reaching each of us. Yes. tell them about the health or, you know, try to correct some really bad things, you know, that's going to go wrong for them. Right. You know, well, i got to die with something anyway. See, I work in a hospital. I right. see how you die. And my right. cries when you say that. Right. Right. Because you don't know what you're saying. Right. It's a horrible death. Right. There's nothing pretty about And it's about it. your last years of life. Well, and, and that's, that's, I think part of the thing is that, and, and, and what we were talking about with regard to a little one, one of the things he said, which will work back around to that, he talked about how, how fire is refining. And if we want to think about, you know, he says the, the idea of, of burning, you know, if you set aside the Greco Roman idea of, of Hades and the underworld and, and you can try and, and let go of that. He's, and, and, you know, and I've, and I've shared before that I've really come to see that what Yeshua did was took all of our sins upon himself because fire, fire burns up sin. 
Holy fire burns sin when it's in its presence. So Yeshua was able to stand in the presence of that holy fire with all of our sins on him. The sins burned up. He didn't. If we were to stand in the presence of that holy fire with our sins on us, we would burn up. But when we stand in the presence of that holy fire without our sins on us, because Yeshua took them, then we can go boldly into the throne room of God without that fear. So he talks about the purpose and, and, and the references to burning um, being that the person who dies without that understanding, without that, that awareness of God and that re- reception of, of his grace goes through that refiner's fire so that those sins can be burned off, but they are going through it with what's on, you know, with, with, with certain, you know, and I haven't gotten, like I said, the podcast through, I'm assuming he's going to go into more of that of what he sees happening there. But the, the ancient Jewish belief that I was reading talks about the trials and the, the tribulations that the soul goes through so that it can understand and let go of those things. And so, you know, the, again, all of that being after death and all of that being at best our speculation, you know, based on, based on study and, and again, not going to change what's actually going to happen, but sometimes changes us and how we approach it. But he says, we can understand this now because our body being a temple for the Holy Spirit, when we have that holy fire in us, he says, if you've ever done something that you know is wrong or you've learned is wrong, he says, that feeling that wells up within you when you're doing something you know is sin is that holy fire. And he says that that sin ignites that fire because that fire's purpose is to burn it up. And when we let it burn it up this side of death, it's a much easier process. And so when we, we were talking about that, when you feel that conviction, or, and if you think about how we talk about, about sinful, not sinful emotions, because emotions aren't sin, but we talk about sinful expression of emotions or sinful acting on emotions, we talk about burning with passion. We talk about hot-headed, burning with anger. Ooh, you're just setting me on fire. And, and we were talking about how that's not, we need to not see that as defining what the other person is doing, but as the Holy Spirit's response to our reaction to it is attempting to burn that in us because it's showing, it's, it's a test in the sense that it shows us that something's welling up inside of us that is not good for us. Hey, John. Hello. You okay? Yeah. <laughs> so, so especially this next month of Elul, pay attention to when that fire burn. you know, when you feel that heat, when you're feeling that, that, and stop and say, okay, God, how should I respond to this? You know, I'm not responding to this correctly. What should I be doing? Hey, guys. Hugs, hugs, hugs. You guys come and join us. Hey. Um, and so so we're going to get into Zephaniah 1. And uh, 
there's three chapters in Zephaniah. They're not that long. In fact, they're really, really short. Um, but Zeph- And I don't have my, I, for, I'm not connected to the internet this time. So I know that Zephaniah is to the southern kingdom. And he comes next in our timeline for everyone we've been talking about. So most of them have been talking about um, either talking about what's going to happen in the northern kingdom and how they should respond or what's going to happen. You know, you're going to be taken off. Um, so, so we're going to go ahead and just jump in. You said you love Zephaniah. Have you studied Zephaniah? Like, do you, do you have anything you could share about what you've learned about it? Ashanti's like, don't go on me! <laughs> I, I like, um, there's two things, um, I I, I have the hardest time when I'm looking at a different Bible and I'm like, it's on the wrong side. Yeah. Um, there's something about where he says that they're, they're going to have a song. A song that's going to be a song. Uh-huh. And um, as the prophet, you know, I'm the voice and I really like that. And then how he's going to restore the pure language. Uh-huh. You know, um, yes. Yes. Right. Yes. So you see all of that. Um, so it's a perfect time for us to read it, isn't it? Yeah. God's timing. Like I love when God does that. When we go, oh, you picked this for right now, and it's exactly right. And and I I think that that that's one of the. You know, with what I was talking about with with how we deal with other people and whether our focus is on ourselves or on them. Um, and I and I love the one song we sang that talked about speaking of God's, you know, telling what God did for you and, and, and talking about God's goodness and God's love. Because God doesn't want people to believe in him because they're afraid not to. Yes, he says, you love me because, you know, he says, you love God because he first loved you. And it's a response to his love. And, and very often the God that is presented to people that causes them to believe in him for fear of not believing in him and what he'll do to them, it's, it's an abusive dynamic when you, when you break it down. You know, if you're only believing in God because you're afraid of what he's going to do to you if you don't believe in him then when it says God is love, where does, how does that, the, how do you reconcile those? And, right. Right. And what, and what is evangelism? Is evangelism using whatever means, including fear, to get people to confess a faith in God that they may or may not really have? Because they're afraid of what they do if they don't. Or is it sharing what God has done for us and sharing our story and sharing our love of God so that people hear and go, wait, I want that God. That's not a God I've encountered. Tell me more about this God. You know, 
How can you be at peace as you go through this struggle? Well, God's comfort and God's provision and God's this and God's that. Who is this God? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I want to respond to that God. Which chapter four of what? Okay, okay. So, um, in studying that, um, one of my, I love the entire chapter. Mm -hmm. Of course, the part where it says, you know, I am a jealous God, and He describes Himself as Elsa Nahi. You know, and that's something that, like, Oprah, she is like, how in our religion can see that He's jealous of me? Right. 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 And we're missing out. Yeah. It's not that he's angry that we're not spending time with him. Yes. It's yes. that he grieves for us because he knows what we're missing. Yes. Yes. And it's yes. Like you're a husband. You're, you have your husband and wife. If your husband or your wife is spending so much of their time and their affections here, and out of the love for that, there will be a form of, you know, that, like, I want my wife, I want him, yeah. sorry, I want my husband. I want, it's that know? come spend time yes. with me. Yes. Come and be in my presence. Let me be in your presence. Yes. That's why I love, I love the description of Shabbat as a date day with God. You know, where God says, I have set aside creation and everything else to rest. And I invite you to come and meet with me and spend that day with me. And when we, when we don't, we're saying, I'm too busy. I don't have time for you, you know. And it, and it doesn't, and again, it doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to, to be... Um, you know, because how many people deprive themselves on Shabbat and and discipline themselves into what essentially is a worship of Shabbat and not an experience of the rest that they're having with God. Yeah. You know, doing or not doing isn't the issue. It's it's being with God and it's what you're doing and your focus on that day. I love I love the quote and I forget who said it's in my Shabbat book, but it talk it says. Um, it is the humility to accept that the God is capable of keeping the world spinning without our help. And if we take a day off, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> He's got it. We're not the ones spinning the plates. We're not the ones doing it. And so, so with that, with that in mind, let's jump into Zephaniah. Are you going to come join us, Chris? Yes. Are you listening yeah. while you still? That is a lot of ice. ice to his dog. His yeah, because it's like heat warning cues. Oh, I know, but that's a lot. That's like what? One, two, three, four, five, six, eight yeah. ice cubes. You know they say I'm cool as ice. Yeah. <laughs> You're eight times cool. There you go. <laughs> so Zephaniah one, the Lord's word which came to Zephaniah the son of Cushi the son of Gedaliah the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will utterly sweep away everything from the surface of the earth, says the Lord. I, I love it when prophecies start with the, 
sweeping. Yeah. Utterly I'm <laughs> utterly sweeping away everything from the surface of the earth, says the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's again, it's one of those times where it tells us, you know, when it's somebody important, yes. it lets us know. Yeah, not just any Zephaniah. Right, right. <laughs> this is the Zephaniah. Descended from remember Hezekiah? Remember what he said? This is that one. So he's and, and keeping in mind that if he's from Hezekiah, um, there's probably a spiritual gifting line there, as well as what he would have been taught. Yes. You know, the righteousness that they would have been taught in that family because of what Hezekiah understood and what he taught. So he says, I will sweep away man and animal. I will sweep away the birds of the sky. And notice he doesn't say wash away because there's not going to be another flood. That's true. <laughs> um, I will sweep or the fish of the sea and the heaps of rubble with the wicked. I will cut off man from the surface of the earth, says the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place. The name of idolatrous and pagan priests, those who worship the army of the sky on the housetops, those who worship and swear by the Lord and also swear by Malcham. Those who have turned back from following the Lord and those who haven't sought the Lord nor inquired after him. Be silent at the presence of the Lord, the Lord, for the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated his guests. It will happen in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes the king's sons, and all those who are clothed with foreign clothing. And that day I will punish all those who leap over the threshold, who fill their master's house with violence and deceit. In that day, says the Lord, there will be the noise of a cry from the fish gate, a wailing from the second quarter, and a great crashing from the hills. Wail, you inhabitants of Maktesh, for all the people of Canaan are undone. All those who were loaded with silver are cut off. It will happen at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are settled on their dregs, who say in their heart, The Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. And Because what are they saying when they say that? I mean, what's at the heart of the declaration if God, if they're saying God will not do good, God's not going to do evil. There's, there, there's, there's no God. There's no point of God. God's not going to come in our. God's not going to come and protect us. There's, there's no God. You foolish people, don't be sitting around waiting for God to do something good. And you know, and and on the other side of that, oh, don't be worrying about what you're doing. It's not like God's going to come and punish you. It's not like there's a God who's even watching or caring. And, you know, it's, it's that deck. It, and it doesn't even, they're not even necessarily saying it out loud. They're saying it in their heart. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter what we do, whatever. Their wealth will become a plunder and their houses a desolation. Yes, they will build houses, but won't inhabit them. They will plant vineyards, but won't drink their wine. The great day of the Lord is near. 
It is near and hurries greatly. The voice of the day of the Lord. The mighty man cries there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, a day of the shofar and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high battlements. I will bring distress on men that they will talk, that they will walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord and their blood will be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath, but the whole land will be devoured by the fire of his jealousy. For he will make an end, yes, a terrible end, of all those who dwell in the land. One of the ways, one of the ways that, um, as I've meditated and thought about and really tried to understand, what is the Lord's wrath? Because... God is love. God saw the problems that we have and our separation from him, and he fixed it. And yet there is this strain through scripture of God's wrath that people tend to focus on more. And it ends up with people, people basically having the view of, well, there's the angry God of the Old Testament. People call him Father. And then there's the happy Jesus God of the New Testament. Thankfully, that happy Jesus God let that Father God torment him instead of us. So we don't have to worry about the Old Testament because that's where you learn about that angry God and Jesus took care of that problem. When really it's the other way around because God is love. Yeshua came to fix that problem of the separation between us and Yeshua took on himself all of our sin and I wonder if the wrath of God is everything that he took from us and held because it was keeping us from him so he took it and what if we get to that that day, whenever that day is and whatever that day looks like, and that wrath he's holding for those those who have not accepted that gift of Yeshua having taken them it away, what if that's the wrath that's poured back on the earth? What if it's God saying, I took this away, but you don't seem to want me to have taken it away so you can have it back? Because now, yeah, yeah, because a lot of people think that the salvation, the, the salvation process, like what happened at the cross, that somehow Yeshua had to endure all of the torment on his flesh prior to his death. And I, I don't think that's the case. I think that the death and resurrection is what did it. And I think that the rest of that is what we do to holiness. When humanity gets its hand on hand on holiness, we bruise it and beat it and bloody it and destroy it and tear it apart. And 
if you think of it that way, the love that Yeshua had for us and his willingness to go to the cross through that gauntlet, if you will, of the very people he was dying for, torturing him. And when he hung there and said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they've done. To go through all of that and still have that level of compassion of they did this because they don't get it. And... Like, you know, not that I can ever put my shoes, put, put those God <laughs> shoes, try to fathom. You know, <laughs> Chris is curled up in the little but toe. <laughs> human, human man brain. You know, I'm looking at it like, hey, I sent somebody down to establish the broken connection between us. You know, this person I love and care about mm-hmm. very much. Mm-hmm. You know, they end up dying. Right. So it's kind of like, is the rap like, I'm not ever doing that again? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but still. No, like, see, I, and I get that. I don't, I don't think that's quiet because when Yeshua said it's finished, I think he meant it was finished. Right. I think all the sin, past, present, future. Okay. All of it taken care of. Right. But I think that I I think that there is there are consequences for our actions. Right. And there are eternal okay. consequences for our actions. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. And, and that's more on the line of what I'm saying. Not not that not that that, you know, if we collect new sins, that yeah. new sins take precedent. Yeah. I mean that it, it's you have the, you know, the ability to 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 to, to get you know to, to always give it to God. Yeah. Always give it to God. I just see I I think that I think that that wrath see I don't see I don't think this is how I'm, I don't know how to explain it. Like when I'm dealing with my children and things things happen and I'm sometimes I collect things, not in a keeping a record of wrongs, but I watch and I realize they're not ready to understand yet. They're not ready to understand yet. And then there comes that moment where something happens. And not, not saying I told you so, because that undermines every lesson that they're learning. But that moment comes where I maybe don't step in, where I let all of that fall on them in the hopes that they'll understand. Right. So all of those things I've been waiting and collecting, and I go, okay, now it's all going to come into place. And, and I don't stop it. And, and I don't cause the situation. <laughs> I just don't step in and I let that. And, and if I'm holding, and, there, and then afterwards when we talk, I say, do you understand what happened? Do you get it now? Ashanti, what are you saying? Uh, like, just thinking about this, it kind of reminds me, just reading the last verse. Uh-huh. And so it says, you know, okay, the day of the Lord's wrath, and they speak about that in the book of Revelation, right? Mm-hmm. And then, but the whole land should be devoured by the fire of the jealousy. So there we go to the, to right. the jealous fire that consumed. And I, I see that the depiction of, like, Deuteronomy is my favorite book in the entire mm-hmm. Bible. So you, and I, I really like Deuteronomy because he talks about, 
And you provoked the Lord to wrath. I know. Moses is so human. It's your fault. It's your fault I'm not going in. So provoking. And I think, um, going back to what you say, it's it's really a rejection. I don't really think it even has to do much with our sin. Uh-huh. It's rejecting the love of the Father. And in that rejection, of course, there is sin. Mm-hmm. But right. For someone to love you and to do all of this because they love you, like all these times and all of and all of here, it's a cyclical thing. Right. Always, even from the Garden of Eden, He created this paradise. They rejected right. that paradise by allowing this to interfere with it, mm-hmm. and then you know that they because they rejected it and they were in the sinful state, they had to remove from be removed from its presence. Right. And that's broken fellowship. And right. It's like every time we him, our fellowship with him is broken. And I think in a way when when you absolutely reject him, because although we receive him, we're got we're still sinners. Right. But when we can teshuva going back to that and to mm-hmm. turn from our sin and to turn back to him. Right. You know, we can experience more of our love. But once again, it's going to get to the point where you're going to heap up so much. He's like a balanced God. And one time that you're going to just keep heaping up and heaping up, like you said, with your children. And that scale is just going to tip. And then that's going to be his wrath. And like he says, the second time he's going to destroy the world is with fire. Right. He's just going to purify it. Be done. (laughs) Well, and there's there's the picture of of the hand of God and whether it is open to you or closed to you. And so when you know in passages where it talks about God's hand being against you, it's not actually a picture of like God's hand coming after you. It's about God's open hand is His protection, His provision flowing out to you. His His goodness, his, his, all the things he's giving you. And when he closes his hand and you have the back of his hand towards you, it's those things being withheld. And, and there is, you know, so the, the wrath of God being, you know, the blessings are, the blessings are cut off. And he's been, we, in the prophets we've been reading saying, you know, you want to give all credit for those things. How about I cut off all access to those things? And then you wonder where that provision from Baal is and so that wrath of God being you're out of here it's done I've sat and 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 endured this you know and he's and it is slow to happen which sometimes is more confusing to us instead of understanding that he's giving us lots and lots and lots of time to get it right and so you know it's not it is it's like I heard I heard a pastor teach on this the other day and I don't even remember every oh I had to listen to a, a talk about something I wouldn't go there one of the things that <laughs> one of the things that the pastor said is that you know we we see in the Old Testament that all of Israel's efforts to live the law were not were, were, they weren't able to do it because it's too heavy a burden and I'm like you have read that they never actually tried to do it, right? <laughs> like the whole point is that they didn't try to do it. That That's the problem. That's why there were so many things that happened. They didn't try. 
But, you know, I guess that's that's one way to read it, too. You know, <laughs> it's, all of our human efforts won't do it. Well, our human efforts to go after other gods, you know, so, to... Yes. Go ahead. It seems, like, it seems like whenever they were trying to please God, they did. Yes. Right? Yes, absolutely. They had decades of peace before a king would go... Maybe I'll just go and make a, a treaty with that guy who God said not to do that, and suddenly they're at war. But yeah, absolutely. Every time they were trying to live the law, they had peace, they had rest, the land had plenty, everything was good, and then something would happen, and they would go against that, and then it would all come down on them. And then sometimes the next king would try to do a little good, but then sometimes the next king would go, well, oh, yeah, even farther, <laughs> even farther away. So, so, yeah, absolutely. And which goes back to with the wrath being really tied to our absolute unwillingness to, our, our absolute unwillingness to embrace, you know, Liam, you could get down and. <laughs> it was like, yes, I could. If you give up your seat for me, I'll feel really old. <laughs> I was going to say age before beauty, but. That's the gentleman giving seat for a lady. Yeah. That's what you're trying to say. That's the opposite. <laughs> You're cracking me up. See, we all was thinking different things because I was thinking, I'll get on the floor. Yeah, because you're a mom, because you're thinking. Yeah. I know, we learned that one of the one of the nurses was saying that at the the VA hospital. She said, yeah. Some kid, some young kid was sitting, like there was a round trash can. He was kind of sitting on the edge of it. She goes, you need to get in a chair. And he's like, why? Because Dr. So-and-so will tell you, you need to sit in a chair so all your insides don't fall out. Because <laughs> it weakens. That's why when you're pregnant, you should sit on the ground. Because right. it gives that resistance your muscles. The what? Well, well, a lot of, no, the night buzz you should. Just that, that actual, when you're birthing, that's a problem. Right. <laughs> But you, like, you took care of that. But yeah, so the wrath, the wrath of the wrath is it, it is tied to and is related to what we're doing and what we're we bring it we bring it on ourselves in a very literal sense, not in a this is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt God kind of way, but in a this is what you asked for. This is what you wanted. You didn't want the provision and the grace and the blessings. Two paths were laid before you. And you were reminded, and you were reminded, and you were reminded, and you were reminded, and you were reminded ad infinitum. And I gave you scrolls where it was written down that you had access to, to remind yourself. And you were each told to write your own scroll. Had you done that, you'd have it in your house. And so it is, it is about this is the path you chose. And this is what comes with it. So he says, the whole land will be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make an end, yes, a terrible end of all those who dwell in the land. And keep in mind that this, this goes back to repeatedly, this prophecy is about the land. Not everywhere, but this is about the land, because the land cries out. When Cain killed Abel, the land cried out and said, blood has been shed on me. 
Um, heaven and earth are repeatedly called by Moses to be the witnesses to the covenants. I call heaven and earth to testify against you if you violate this. And the land goes, yeah, they did it. <laughs> you know, that's right. It's right over here. I'm going to, I'm going to light up right here where it happened over here. And, and he's, you know, the prophets who say the land has asked God, how long till we get a Shabbat? The land has asked God, how long are you going to let this evil go on in us? Yes, the land is going, we're tired. <laughs> and how long is this going to happen? So Zephaniah 2, gather yourselves together. Yes, gather together, you nation that has no shame. Before the appointed time, when the day passes as the chafe, before the fierce anger of the Lord comes on you. So it's saying, before that day comes, pull it together, people. That's right. It is time for repentance. It is time for righteousness. I'm telling you this is coming so that you have time to get ready for it. Because when the gold and the silver pass through the fire, they're fine. When the clay and the chafe and the those things, they're in trouble. Be refined. Seek, he says, um, before the day of the Lord's anger comes on you, seek the Lord, all you humble of the land who have kept his ordinances. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. For Gaza will be forsaken and Ashkelon a desolation. They will drive out Ashdod at noonday and Ekron will be rooted up. Woe to the inhabitants of the seacoast, the nation of the Cherethites. The Lord's word is against you, Canaan, the land of the Philistines. I will destroy you that there will be no inhabitant. The seacoast will be pastures with cottages for shepherds and folds for flocks. The coast will be for the remnant of the house of Judah. They will find pasture. So always that remnant, those who do righteous, those who seek the Lord, those who are good with God, they're always taken care of. In the houses, so it's not about trying to escape, it's not about trying to escape what's coming. It's about being ready for what's coming by being right with the Lord. Because if, if the, the fire is going to come through and, Passover, if the angel of God is going to come through and kill the firstborn of the house where there is no blood on the door, What's going on? What if someone has no door? <laughs> they all have doors. Oh, okay. Is he okay? And he just showed up? Well, let's, okay, let's stop and pray real quick then. Um, Don, if I pause this. Finish Zephaniah. Yeah, finish Zephaniah, yeah. 
So we're looking at, um, he's saying, get right with God. All the stuff you're doing, just get right with God. And all the stuff that's coming, guess what? If you're right with God, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And that's, that's the key. You know, it's, 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 you don't fear what's coming. You know, if you run around, if you run, like if you know that there's a storm coming and you run around all scared and freaking out and, and panicking and you go and you, you raid the store of stuff that makes no sense to raid, but you panic so you just bought everything you could, you're not actually ready for the storm. Yes, Tanya. Okay, so that's like my situation. I mean, things that I was just kind of thinking about that. Uh huh. It's like, even though I've had so many things going, and I was like, I have like this, you know, piece of things like that and stuff that's happening, and I'm just like, thank you, Jesus, for it. But it's okay. Like, at the same time, I still feel like it doesn't stop the situation from being a sandwich. Right. So even though we shouldn't necessarily be. Well, we can still, we can still have feelings and emotions. It's, and you kind of missed the, where we were talking before about, um, you know, unbelievers saying, it's, it's not that I have a problem that Christians believe in hell or even think that I'm going to go there. It's the people who seem to be giddy about it. You know, it's, it's the people, the, the remnant that's going to be preserved on that day. It's going to be heartbreak. If you're really right with God, you will have, you, you will be tuned into his emotions about what's going on. It's, it's not like God's dancing that people are going to be destroyed. It's not like God's glad that destruction... That's right. That's it. I'm done. I'm out of here. It's it's heartbreaking. And right. and he keeps so, talking about in the different prophets about how heartbreaking it is. Right. It's come to this and I'm I'm sad and I'm I'm broken about this. And so yeah, when they see that coming upon everyone around them, yeah, absolutely. It's it's heartbreaking and it's sad and it's hard, which is also part of the the motivation to share you know and and I understand I understand what's going on in the people you know who evangelize in whatever way they do they want to save people from this but but then that isn't that going against God's will no because God wants the remnant to be as big as it's going to be oh yeah but what I'm saying is Right, but I mean, they want to. They, I, I understand that that a lot of times people who are out evangelizing and whatever approach they they believe is is the one they should do, they're trying to help people be part of the river. They want people to not go through it. But the if when you're motive when you're motivated by fear rather than love, you give a different message. So if you're motivated by love, but you still might be a little... Well, think about this with what you're... Think about this with your situation. Yeah. Okay? You were making specific choices when you were motivated by fear. And when God gave you a peace about everything, 
and filled you with love and you had more compassion than anger or fear towards the other person involved, you began making different choices. Okay? So when we're sharing God with other people, taking this out of, out of Zephaniah, out of your situation, just to, in general, when we look at the fact that there is going to be an end and we're trying to share God's love with people, if we're motivated by fear, we will take certain approaches. But if we're motivated by God's love and his peace and our love for him, we're freed up to take other choices. We don't have, you know, if I'm afraid that if you die, you're going to go to hell and burn forever. I'm going to put the sails on. I gotta I've got to make you, God put it on me to make sure you understand and you make that choice. And you got to make that choice because if you don't make that choice, I know what's going to happen to you. And I'm scared because I love you. I love you and I don't want that to happen to you. Don't make that. Don't make God do that to you. Because God loves you. And he doesn't want, he'll do that to you. But he loves you. <laughs> As opposed to being able to step back and go, I know the relationship I have with this person. I know our history. I don't know if I'm the person who can take this message. Oh, okay. I, I may not be the person who can talk to them about this. I'm going to pray for God to bring the right opportunities and the right people. Right. Right. Or, or wait for the person, you know, you can wait for the person to ask you. Yeah. It's a sand turtle. I love it. So, so when you're motivated by fear, you do what seems right. When you're motivated by love, you are freed up to have other options and to make other choices. So what the prophet is saying is not be scared. God's coming. You better get right with God. He's saying... God is letting me warn you that these things are coming. You're going to respond however you're going to respond. If you are one of those people who's going to go in your heart, oh, God's not going to do good and God's not going to do bad, whatever, you're going to do that. And these things are going to happen. If you are one of the remnant, don't fear. It's all good. God's going to take care of you. You'll be fine. If you're not part of the remnant, here is your warning. Maybe consider becoming part of the remnant. You know? yeah. <laughs> Decide what you want to do. Because the people who think that God's not going to do anything hear the prophet and go, they're, they're not afraid. Do what? Right, right. Yeah. They, they think, they're saying, oh, God's not, this is ridiculous. He's crazy. God's not going to do that. They don't see any need to repent. That's right. And he's saying to the people who will hear this and go, don't be afraid. You're not hearing about this for fear. It's like the book of Revelation shouldn't make us fear. 
we should heed it. And, get, and, you know, it's like someone was telling me, you know, all the different approaches to revelation are primarily in the U.S. The rest of the world reads revelation and goes, okay, it's going to end. We should be on the right side. <laughs> you know, they, they don't need to break it down and try and count out days and who's this going to happen to. They go, get, get right with God. Let's do that. Because if you're right with God, you'll be where you need to be doing what you need to be doing. You don't need to worry. It's so scary, though. Like, I hear what you're saying on me sometimes, like, when they'll get to going, huh? Like, Shanti and Lisa, they get killing me. And I'd be like, I gotta leave the room. You guys, are, I got kids. You're killing me. I don't want to think about it right now. Can it just come later? Oh, my gosh. Well, and that's, and it's okay. No, it's okay. Leave the room. I'm not necessarily afraid, per se, but they'd be killing me because of my children. Right. Well, like I was saying, like I was saying before you got here, anything that we talk about being a future event is all our speculation on it anyway. God's going to do what he's going to do, regardless of whether we thought he was going to do that or not. And prophecy is only ever really understood in retrospect. They could only know that Yeshua was the Messiah when he did the things that were prophesied. They couldn't look at the prophecies and go, there's a Yeshua going to be born in this time who will do these things, you know. They could say there's a Messiah coming. We can see these things about him. Right. And, and they were saying at the time, it's about the time for a Messiah to come. But they couldn't, they couldn't tell you who it was going to be when he was going to be born so, so that we have to keep that in mind when we're reading prophecies about what's to come, too. Yeah, no, I hear because that's it's just like for me, you know, like what you're saying, it's just scared in my mind. I'm like, I'm not necessarily like scared, like it's crazy. Like sometimes I'm just like, well, remember, God hasn't like, given, no, but God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Well, and power and love and a sound mind. So if what they're talking about is stressing you out, it's okay to go. I'm going to go in the other room. Yeah, I'd be like, I'm gonna it's not stressing them. It's stressing you. It's okay. That's right. That's right. So he says, where is it? I have heard the reproach. Where, where, okay, where were we? Woe to the inhabitants of the seacoast. Yeah, the seacoast will, verse 6, the seacoast will be pastures with cottages for shepherds and folds for flocks. The coast will be, and keep in mind, this is after all this happens. It's still going to be good to live there. Must be, no. Yeah. He's saying, remnant, you're going to have some great place to live here. The coast will be for the remnant of the house of Judah. They will find pasture. In the houses of Ashkelon, they will lie down in the evening, for the Lord their God will visit them and restore them. I have heard the reproach of Moab and the insults of the children of Ammon, with which they have reproached my people and magnified themselves against their border. Therefore, as I live, says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab will be as Sodom and the children of Ammon as Gomorrah, a possession of nettles and salt pits and perpetual desolation. The remnant of my people will plunder them and the survivors of my nation will inherit them. This they will have for their pride because they have reproached and magnified themselves against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be awesome to them, for he will famish all the gods of the land. Men will worship him, every one from his place, even all the shores of the nations. So when we sing our God is an awesome God, right. 
<laughs> striking terror in the hearts of all the gods of the land. You Cushites also, you will be killed by my sword. And that's Ethiopia. He will stretch out his hand against the north, destroy Assyria, and will make Nineveh a desolation as dry as the wilderness. Was that, we talked about that last week, right? Wasn't, was that Iraq? Yeah. Um, herds will lie down in the middle of her. All the animals of the nations, both the pelican and the porcupine, will lodge in its capitals. Their calls will echo through the windows. Desolation will be in the thresholds, for he has laid bare the cedar beams. This is the joyous city that lived carelessly, that said in her heart, I am and there is no one besides me. How she has become a desolation, a place for animals to lie down in. Everyone who passes by her will hiss and shake their fists. Chapter 3. Woe to her who is rebellious and polluted, the oppressing city. She didn't obey the voice. She didn't receive correction. She didn't trust in the Lord. She didn't draw near to her God. Her princes within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves. They leave nothing until the next day. Her prophets are arrogant and treacherous people. Her priests have profaned the sanctuary. They have done violence to the law. The Lord within her is righteous. He will do no wrong. Every morning he brings his justice to light. He doesn't fail, but the unjust know no shame. Was she asleep? You did. I know. She says, This is not where I want to be. I didn't know where I was. He doesn't fail, but the unjust know no shame. So, is it he, so going back, verse 5, the Lord within her is righteous. Keep in mind that the Lord is within her. The Lord is in Judah. The Lord is in these people. The Lord is in these, you know, in, in this, in his land. Oh. Probably. Yep. Well, so yes, then you give her to the mother, not the grandmother. The grandmother does not have what the latch needs. <laughs> he will the Lord within her is righteous he will do no wrong every morning he brings his justice to light he doesn't fail but the unjust know no shame I have cut off nations their battlements are desolate I have made their streets waste so that no one passes by their cities are destroyed so that there is no man so that there is no inhabitant I said, just fear me, receive correction, so that her dwelling won't be cut off, according to all that I have appointed concerning her. But they rose early and corrupted all their doings. Therefore, wait for me, says the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey, for my determination is to gather the nations that I may assemble their ki the kingdoms, to pour on them my indignation, even all my fierce anger, for all the earth will be devoured with the fire of my jealousy." So there's that fire that purifies. Because he says, For then I will purify the lips of the peoples, that they may all call on the Lord's name, to serve him shoulder to shoulder. 
So in the midst of all of this, you stop and you ask, what is the purpose of everything that's going to happen? And it is because at that time, he will purify the lips of the peoples that they may all call on the Lord's name to serve him shoulder to shoulder. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, even the daughter of my dispersed people, will bring my offering. In that day you will not be disappointed for all your doings in which you have transgressed against me. For then I will take away out from among you your proudly exulting ones, and you will no more be arrogant in my holy mountain. But I will leave among you an afflicted and poor people that they will take refuge in the Lord's name. The remnant of Israel will not do iniquity, nor speak lies, Neither will a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth, for they will feed and lie down, and no one will make them afraid. Sing, daughter of Zion. Shout, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He has thrown out your enemy. The King of Israel, the Lord, is among you. You will not be afraid of evil anymore. In that day, it will be said to Jerusalem, Don't be afraid, Zion. Don't let your hands be weak. The Lord your God is among you, a mighty one who will save you, or who will save. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will calm you in his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I will remove those who grieve about the appointed feast from you. They are a burden and a reproach to you. So, those who grieve about the appointed feast. Ugh, we've got a feast coming up. Suppose we're expected to take our offering to the Lord. Guess we have to gather together and blow the shofars. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's not supposed to be a burden. The Lord's law is light, and it's a burden that's light and easy to carry. We go rejoicing. I will give them, um, where was I? Oh, they are a burden to you, 19. Behold, at that time I will deal with all those who afflict you, and I will save those who are lame and gather those who were driven away. I will give them praise and honor whose shame has been in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you in, and at that time, I will gather you. For I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. So that is Zephaniah. And it's... You know, it is when when you hear these things, when you hear these things, it's it's not even like I'm not even gonna say you should do this or you should do that, because everyone will have the response they have. And those who care will take stock in the response they have. Those who care will be drawn closer to God. And and those those who don't will have whatever their response is. And I love that that's kind of what Zephaniah is saying. It's like, you know, some of you are going to hear this and have this response. 
And others of you are going to hear this and have this response. And others from you are going to hear this and have this response. Remnant, don't fear. Because really, if you think about it, the people who are going to care most are the remnant because they care. <laughs> and, and, and Zephaniah and all the prophets are quick to say, don't fear. This isn't for you to be afraid. And so we need to, we need to make sure that, that when we hear it, we go, okay, you know, I'm the remnant. If you don't know if you're the remnant, maybe that's a good time to make sure you're part of the remnant. <laughs> you know, it's, if your response is, is that, ah, oh, I don't know, where am I? That's when you stop and take stock. That's the month of Elul where you go, maybe I need to get right with God. Or if you know, you know, you've been doing certain things that God's been telling you you shouldn't be doing. Elul, when the prophecy comes up, when all these things are the time to go, you know, I'm putting a little more attention into that. God's been telling me to do this. And part of that being, because when you're being obedient to God, that's when he uses you. And maybe it will be through that discipline he's been telling you to develop or through whatever he's been trying to get you to do that you will be ready for whoever is going to come to you that you're supposed to minister to. You know, if you're doing what's, if you're doing what God's putting on your heart to do, and you're, then you'll be where you're supposed to be at any point in time. And then you'll be the one he uses to help that person. He needed you there to help, you know, now it's not like that person's not going to get help if you're not there, but it'll be help from somebody else. Um, you know, or it'll be help from you because he's preparing you so far back in advance, you know, in advance that he knows you'll be ready. Sometimes it's just how long do you want that lesson to take? You know, do you, do you really want to spend a whole lot of time going round and round with that lesson? Or do you think maybe you, and again, even knowing that, it's funny because I look back on my life and I realize I made exactly the decision I was in a place to make at any point in time. I couldn't have made a different decision. I mean, there are times where I could have walked away, but I really couldn't have because I couldn't walk away from God. And, and, you know, you can make a decision that is outright rebellion. And then that shows you, you have some rebellion you need to work on. So, so for the month of Elul, the question is to everybody, you know, what is God trying to teach you? What is he preparing you for this year? What you have time, if there's a habit you need to develop or if there's something you're trying to work on, you have time to be ready before we have our Rosh Hashanah service, before Rosh Hashanah begins, to say, you know, I'm going to get there. If there's people who, if there's people who owe you, if there's people who owe you a debt, time to forgive it. If there's people you owe a debt, go try and make amends. So on the on the Torah portion, did anybody get to read the? Re'e, didn't they there? We didn't. We didn't finish all of it. We were supposed to, and then we had several things happen the last few days that we weren't home. But yeah, she has lots of opinions about. It. She goes, "I got it down. I know exactly what it is." She got to make the sale. Now I stay with Grandma. Now. Yeah. Now I'm. Now I'm good.
Did you have thoughts, Ashanti? Oh, I was trying to get. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got a couple minutes. We got a couple minutes. Did you have any thoughts on the Torah portion? Um, I'm not gonna... Oh my goodness! I really like. Um, I really like the Torah towards the beginning when we were reading one of the things that I, I pointed out to the kids that we talked about is when he's saying if someone you love, if your brother or your mother or some family member does, you know, one of these horrible violations, so ready to see discernment even. If someone, if a prophet rises up and says, let's go, you know, and shows you signs and wonders and then says, let's go worship this other God, you should be first in line to stone him. And, and, you know, pointing in mind in the context, there would have had to be a trial for any of the, you know, any of the situations that he's talking about. So it's not like he's saying, you know, if there's no witnesses there, you don't get to pick up a rock and kill someone and then later go, well, they were saying we should worship another God. <laughs> because... Yeah, I had to deal with it. No, it's, you have, there's, you know, he's not, it's, because that's the barbaric idea that people get when they read it. Oh, so somebody said that you're supposed to kill him right there. No, there needed to be witnesses. There needed to be trials. But if somebody's saying that and doing signs and wonders, there's more people than you there watching. Yeah. And what he's saying is you need to lead the, the, you know, you need to be the first to cry out. Hey, this isn't right. Let's not follow them. Let's go take them to the the court. Yeah. So so it it is. It's about seeing clearly. It's about and it's about discernment and which fits with the whole preparation for Elul and the you know, take ask God to help you have eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart to receive. Right of our hearts. This, let this be. Let this be a season that we that we really try and understand that log in our eye and how to get it out. Let's let's pick another sliver out. Let's let's move towards that 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 righteousness. Let's move towards that repentance, and you know, let's go into the next year. Even if you don't get something, if you don't get something resolved before Rosh Hashanah, having the desire to resolve it means that you want to partner with God in this coming year to get that out. And there might be things you go through that will be part of that, and they might not all be fun, but you'll see them for what they are when your heart is humbled before God going into it, saying, this year, get this out of us, get this out of me. So on that note, may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Amen. Amen.